For those of us that remain, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5. I know what I'm preaching about today. Don't worry. Haven't you just been enjoying the story of Jesus as Mark weaves it together for us? There are some amazing accounts. Sometimes, I, you know, especially for somebody like me that's grown up in the church, son of a pastor, I've heard these stories. In, in the telling over and over again, sometimes we lose the fascination of what exactly is going on. But, but as we've been going through this series, we've been trying to, again, put ourselves in that place of, of the first century listener. So we've gone to this uh, dinner party. And, and this guest is, is weaving this tale of, of, of Jesus Christ, the King, the Son of God, the one that's come to save us. And, and, and we hear these stories and are amazed at what God has done. You remember last week we had Charlie up here, and what a treat to have him sharing with us last week. If you've missed it, you're welcome. It's, I put it, I, it was delayed, but it's on our website. You can hear his message there on our website. Uh, but he told us, he, 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 he led us into that account of Jesus and the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee. And the great storm and turmoil that, that came up. And, and for, a, for a first century um, listener, especially in that, uh, that place of uh, 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 the Greek-speaking world and the Latin world and everything, that picture of a sea voyage is so common in the tales and the, the, the legends and the myths of the age, right? And it's, it's all about this, this testing that goes on. You think of, of Homer and his, his writing of Iliad and, and as Odysseus goes across the sea, it's like every time he gets into the sea, there's this, it, it, it's a foretelling of this new test, this new challenge that awaits him, whether it's in the voyage going or there in the place where he lands, that, that's a significant thing. And, and as we've been reading Mark and continue to study Mark, we're going to see how he uses this, this, this motif of, of crossing the sea as a testing. But it's not a testing of the protagonist. It's not a testing of Jesus. It's in these, these encounters that he shows his great power, his, his great authority over all aspects of life. But the testing is for, for his disciples, for those that he encounters along the way. That as he reveals his great authority in those different events, they're challenged. Will you believe? Will you repent and trust? Will you receive that invitation into the kingdom that Jesus extends to each and every one of us? So they're, they're, they're on the sea, they're crossing, there's this great storm, and Jesus is able to, to speak out, peace be still, and instantly, 
face. The wind is gone. And what do the disciples do? They shout for joy. They dance and praise God. They worship and adore. What does it say there? Verse 41 of chapter 4. And they were filled with great fear. Why would they be afraid? What was there in this encounter? I can understand the fear in the storm. I can understand the fear in the waves and the winds and the thunder and lightning and all the rest of that. I understand that kind of a fear. But when Jesus brings calm to all of that, the very thing that they needed, that they wanted, Mark goes on to tell the story, and we're going to start reading here in in verse 1 of chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, and mutilating himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. But Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So Jesus asked him, what is your name? And He replied, replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there was a a great herd of pigs that was feeding there on the hillside. and, And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered into the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. Then rushing down the steep bank into the sea, and they were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. People came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man who had, been, who had had the legion of demons. And he was sitting there clothed 
in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. So they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with them. But he did not permit him, but said to him, Go to your home, to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so he went away to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. What an amazing story. It's unbelievable the things that are happening. The way that Jesus is working in these people's lives. This man that, that, that has been possessed by a legion of demons. And, and legion is, is not a Greek term. It's actually a Latin term, a Roman term that, that refers to a military unit. And typically it is usually around uh, somewhere around 5,000 troops that were referred to as a legion. So it has this military military connotation along with it. And this vast host, this overwhelming group, this man was possessed by a legion of demons. And he comes out and, and cries out to Jesus. Uh, this man who had been mutilating himself. Uh, this man who, who was tormenting the, the the, not only himself being in torment, crying out night and day, but was tormenting the, the, the countryside, the towns and the villages around in this area. They, they tried to subdue him. They tried to control him. But with this, this multitude of demons without it, within him, he had this, this superhuman strength that, that no one was able to control him even able to, to break chains, to, to bust apart shackles, iron shackles. And eventually the people just tried to stay away from him. As he cried out there in the tombs among the dead. It's a tragic story. For a man to live like that, for, for a, a region to be, to be tormented by a, an individual, to have that reminder night and day to hear those screams. Something that was beyond your control, something that, that you had no uh, authority over. It's this tragic, terrible tale. And this man comes to Jesus. And in a, an account here where, where we have been 
preparing ourselves to for the unexpected, the way that Jesus does things that 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 the, the audience, the people that are living around him, even for us, that he does things that we wouldn't expect. He now again catches us off guard. Typically, the way that Jesus has dealt with demons in the past is as soon as they start speaking, what did he what does he say? Silence. And he commanded them to be quiet. And in this time, Jesus not only allows the man to speak, but he actually complies with his request. Why would Jesus do that? And yet, in his perfect way, he's giving us this this understanding of the the destructiveness of, of these demons, of those that, that held this man in control. And it's a, a, a bit of a tragic comedy that, that these demons requested to be sent out to the pigs. And then what did they do? Jesus, Jesus complies with their request and sends them to the pigs, and then they just go headlong and destroy themselves anyway. It shows the the blind destruction that evil has in our lives, in our world. We see that around us all the time. That even though evil destroys itself, it still flings itself headlong. We see these these pigs destroyed by, by these demons, and the demons themselves destroyed the very thing that they were requesting Jesus not to do. By doing the thing that they requested, they go and accomplish the very same thing that Jesus, that they were asking, not to have happen. Just the story, the the way that all of this is is playing out, it, it, it grabs your attention. It draws you in to all of this. And where everybody else failed, Jesus easily establishes his authority in this place. Without any shackles, without any binding, without any, with just his words, come out of him. And this man is set free. This tormented victim is no longer held captive. We see that he that he actually is clothed. Where did the clothes come from? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Jesus provided this man with clothes, with covering. Reminds us of, of all of those times through Paul's letters that he talks about how we are to put on Christ. That we are clothed in the righteousness of God. And here was a lived out example of Jesus providing clothes of righteousness. <laughs> 
for this man who had been so tormented by evil. What a beautiful picture, sitting there in his right mind. And again, we see Jesus doing something that is unexpected, that goes against the pattern that he's already developed for his ministry. How many times have we seen already Jesus heals somebody, Jesus sets somebody free, and what does he say? Don't tell anyone. Keep silent. For all different kinds of reasons, whether it was for the, the man with leprosy so that he could go to the priest and, and show himself and go through the ritual purification process, whether it was for those that had been set free from illness, that had been healed, and Jesus tells them not to tell anyone, and that for their own protection because of the fledgling faith that they would have, and rather than set themselves up as a target for the religious elite that were more and more opposed to Jesus, and that the, the Jesus was trying to protect them from from the from the, the the persecution of the community of the the people around them for whatever the reason is and yet in this case Jesus sends them home he says tell everybody this is a man whose transformation was complete who through this Freedom that he had experienced, that Jesus Christ had provided for him. He was now an effective witness to go and tell his home nation, uh, the, the Decapolis, the ten cities that made that, that southeastern part of the Sea of Galilee, that was predominantly Gentile and was kind of shunned by the rest of the Jews. But, but Jesus sent him into this place Go and tell everything that the Lord has done for you. Notice how Mark connects Jesus with Yahweh. Because in his description of what the man then went and did, he said he went and told everyone what Jesus had done for him. And so making that connection with Yahweh, with Jesus, with the Lord, and with the Son. And this man went told, and we're going to come up on it here in a little while in Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 8, where Jesus goes back into the same region, into the Decapolis. And Jesus is able to do some amazing miracles. And one of them is to feed a crowd of 4,000 people. How did he draw such a crowd? This demon-possessed man went back to that place and was telling everyone what Jesus had done for him. And when they heard that this Jesus was coming to their region, they flooded because they wanted to see the man that had authority to be able to control the demons that they know, knew that this man had had. Surely this is someone that they needed to listen to. As we read through the history books, actually the Decapolis becomes a significant part in the preservation of the church as well. 
When Rome came in 69 AD in force to be able to put down the rebellion that was happening in the, in the capital of Jerusalem by the Jews, and, and they came to, to destroy it once and for all, and the temple was raised to the ground, and, and the, the walls were torn apart, and, and the Jews were spread all over. Many Christians found sanctuary in the Decapolis, especially in the city of Pella. Jesus was sending this man forth into this region to be able to prepare the way for his people to find sanctuary, to find safety in the time of need. Verse 15. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man who had had legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Why? Again, why the fear? This is exactly what they needed. Freedom from hearing the screams of torment of this man in the hills and in the tombs. Freedom to be able to, to, to walk these roads without having to worry about this man coming out and accosting them in whatever way that he would. Freedom to know that, that there is a power that is greater than the evil that tormented this man. That even in their own limited experience with evil, that, that perhaps this Jesus could rescue them from that evil as well. To have authority over evil in their lives. But instead, they were afraid. They were afraid of the very one who could bring exactly what they need. Why? What about you? What fears do you have of surrendering parts of your life under the authority of this one who has such great power? Do you need healing in your life? And yet you're, you're afraid to, to even chance the fact that maybe Jesus wouldn't heal you? To raise your hopes? To only have them dashed once again? 
Maybe, maybe you're afraid that that illness, that infirmity that, that you've lived with so long, what if that was gone? That, that peace that's defined you for so much of your life. What would your life be like if you were healed? And there is fear. Maybe for you, it's an addiction. That monkey on your back that you've wrestled with over so many years, that you've committed to saying, I'm quitting and never coming back. Whether that's an addiction to substances, whether that's addiction to eating, whether that's addiction to escaping reality in a, in a book or in a fantasy, in a TV show. Maybe it's an escape into a, a game. It's become such a, a safe place, a familiar place. But when Jesus offers you to be set free, you resist. You're afraid. Maybe it's some other part of who you are, part of your identity, part of how you define yourself. But again, you've, you've held on to that so long and, and Jesus is asking you to, to give that up. And you're afraid because what would life be like without that familiar cloak? Without that familiar presentation of yourself. Satan loves to use that fear. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Right? What was the lie that he said? <laughs> you can't trust God. He doesn't want you to eat this fruit because he knows that as soon as you do, you will be just like him. That fear of, of trusting in an authority over yourself said that, that you, can be, you can be just like God, knowing good from evil, defining for yourself what your destiny is, what is right, what is wrong. And so in fear, they ate of the fruit. And Satan whispers that same lie in your heart, in your life. You can't trust God. Let me tell you this morning, He is faithful. No matter how familiar, how comfortable that part of your life is, when you surrender that under the authority of the Savior, there will be a life grander than you could ever imagine. 
Notice I didn't say easier than you ever imagined. Because it's not easy. It's not trouble-free. But it is far more beautiful. Far more meaningful. And far more perfect for who you are. You just surrender, put aside that fear, and allow the Savior to come in and break those chains in your life. The, the tragedy of this story, with all of the, the ugliness of it, is that when these townspeople ask Jesus to leave, answer their prayer. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Don't let fear rob you of experiencing the power of Jesus in your Let's pray. Just with your eyes closed and your, your head bowed, let me give you a few minutes just to do some business with the Spirit. Allow Him to come and Point out in your life where that fear, you've allowed that fear to block the work of God in your life. That, that you've allowed that fear to, to, to resist the authority of Jesus in your life. I'm going to invite you to give that up today. I'm going to invite you to surrender to that authority. Spirit, Lord, we just pray right now that you would be moving in our hearts. You would be touching us. Giving us the, the strength and the courage that we need to, to put aside that fear. Provide us with the faith to trust in your authority. Give you that piece of our lives that has held us for so long. nothing that can hold back your hand. That there is no power. There is no authority. There is no principality. 
that you are unable to defeat. And that you have a plan and a purpose for us. Thank you. That you are mighty to save. Amen. Would you stand as we sing together?